First Samuel chapter 2, look at verse 27 with me of chapter 2 there. Reminder, this is God's Word. And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear the ephod before me? I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded you, uh, commanded for my dwelling, and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that your house and the house of your fathers should go in and out before me forever. But now, the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. Then in distress you will look with envious eye on all, all the prosperity that shall be bestowed on Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever." The only one of whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall be spared to weep his eyes out to grieve his heart, and his descendants of your house shall die by the sword of men. And, th- and this that uh, shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be a sign to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. And everyone who is left in your house shall come and implore him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread, and shall say, Please put me in one of the priest's places that I might eat a morsel of bread. That's the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. For this text, I thank you, you have not left us in the dark, but you have revealed yourself to us. We pray now as your people that of the things that you might show us, of the things that we might have a glimpse of here in your text, that of that substance and of that essence, we may see more of Christ and thus glorify him with our lives. And amen. 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 So it's been a while since we've been here. Um, I can't even recall the last time, but we took a short break to go through some of uh, the Psalms for the new year. Now we're back in our book here of 1 Samuel. Remember, leading off last time, what we had looked at was the state of Israel as far as its spiritual leaders. And that in the book of Judges, we had seen the turmoil of the civil government there, if you will, and how they went after other gods, how the people searched after other things besides Yahweh. And because of that, Yahweh sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the seven nations around them, then raised up judges to save them, and that was repeated. But in this book, what we had seen is we had focused on a single family at the beginning, this simple barren woman of Elkanah, one of Elkanah's wives, who had no children. We had seen that God heard her petition and give her a child, that is Samuel. She had then give him to the Lord as she had promised. But then we had then focused on the high priest's sons, the sons of Eli, and what they were doing within the temple, what they were doing within the tabernacle, if you will. 
And remember what we had seen is they had implemented things that God had not said to implement. That is, they had told their servants to go and when someone was sacrificing, to take a fork and put it into the cauldron where the meat was boiling and get those fatty pieces out, those pieces that were promised to God as we will see again, you recall that. The Lord had said all fat is His and all blood is His. So they had took the parts that was meant for God to be burnt on the altar and what they were doing is they were eating them themselves, you see. And we talked about in that act how what the sons were truly doing was blaspheming against God. Because what they were saying was is that they were worthy of the portion that was entitled to God, you see. And so in that, they were blasphemers. And so we are seeing the repercussions of that now in our text. We had left off in that short section there, uh, um, we're 23 through 26 there, of Eli telling his sons that if... Someone sins against man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against God, what can be done? And we took that last time and looked at it and kind of broke it apart. And we understood that what Eli was getting at is his sons were blasphemers and they had sinned in this way against God. And now even Eli was saying that that what was coming next was just judgment. It was judgment. And that's what we see. We see in the openings of 27 now. Now... We can look in the openings of 27 and we start that verse off. We can just look there again together. It says, And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt subject to the house of Pharaoh? Now the first thing I want us to see is many times in the scriptures we see this same thing going on. That is a man of God seemingly comes from nowhere We're not told where he comes from. He simply comes upon the scene and he speaks for God, you see. And something, because this man of God coming from nowhere, who we don't even have his name, is saying this to Eli, who is supposed to be the spiritual leader of his time. And so this is an indictment upon him. Now something I want us to see from this is that as we serve God, we have privileges that God has given to us as his people but let us not be mistaken God does not need us God does not need us in any way and if we were to cease the things that we are doing if we were to cease to serve God's in the function that we serve him trust me out of nowhere someone will come and they will do the same and they will do better Mm -hmm. you see and that's what we see here Eli's not doing his part He's not being a faithful high priest to the people. He's letting his sons do these things. Even though he rebuked them, he did not remove them from their office. You see? Even the horrendous things they were doing as far as sleeping with the women who worked at the tabernacle. He left them in their place. And so because of that, we have this indictment upon him. And so this man of God, this prophet, if you will, the man of God in the Old Testament, normally are prophets that come with a word from God, comes out of nowhere And now he's going to tell us these things concerning Eli. About how the lineage of Eli is going to go from this point on. You see, something that was very good is going to turn to calamity. As we will see in our text. Now as I said before, this is very important because remember the time period that we're still in. And we've been there for years and years and years. So it's easy to lose sight of it. But for those of you that weren't here... We started in Judges. We worked all the way through that book. We've seen the decay. We've jumped off into Ruth, which is that same time period. And in the openings of 1 Samuel, we're still there. 
We're still in the same time period of everyone doing what is right in his own eyes. You see, everyone is doing what is right in his own eyes. And in that you see the anarchy of the world. And yet this man of God comes from nowhere and has a word from God. You see, God still has his people even in times of calamity and times of anarchy. We've seen that before. Now this man uh, brings this word from God to Eli. And he starts off with what God has done, not just for Eli, but for Eli's forefathers. Right? He starts off with what he's done for his forefathers. Remember, he'd said there in 27, Thus says the Lord, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? Right? That's, that's what he's pointing back to. And we're going to see this is for uh, reason here. Now, before we go any further, some would say that this language used here concerning Eli uh, connotes that he is in some way a direct descendant of Aaron himself, right? Aaron and his sons were put in the priesthood, as we will see in Exodus, right, to serve God before him. So some commentators look at that and the language that is used there, the strength of the language that is used there, and they say, well, Eli was a direct descendant of Aaron himself, which he could have been, we don't know. But in any case, he was definitely, if not a direct descendant, a descendant. Because he was a Levite, you see. And they were intended to serve God in the tabernacle as God had instructed. Now, these two things that he first points to are these. That God revealed himself to Aaron when he was in Egypt. And secondly, uh, God making Aaron and his sons priests. So we can just look in Exodus 4 there. Exodus 4. Look in verse 10. Remember God had come to Moses in the burning bush and He had said, you are going to be my servant. You are going to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Right? And then we see Moses pushing back here, even though he had seen these miraculous things of God being able to turn his, snap, his staff into a serpent and turn his hand leprous and things like that. What Moses is worried about is his tongue, his speech, you see. Look in verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in uh, past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, who makes him mute, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You see, so what God had done is because Moses had said, send someone else in his fear of going to Egypt, he had included Aaron already 
in these plans. You see, Moses' brother, although he didn't have to, he had included him in it. And this was a blessing of God. I'm stressing this to show you that what the prophet is getting across here to Eli and what we're going to see is that God has been gracious in every way, not just to Eli, but to Eli's forefathers, putting him in, him in the place he's in. Right. You see, God did not have to reveal himself to Moses. God did not have to reveal himself to Aaron. Yet God chose them both to go and speak to Pharaoh, one of the greatest rulers of the time, for him. Now we look over that and we say, of course, because we see the story all the time. Think of what an honor that is. You see, we miss it completely. God literally spoke to them both. He gave them words to say. He gave them miraculous things to do. And that was a grace of God, a grace that was not deserved to them whatsoever. You see, this is the indictment. I'm trying to get us to see the full picture. Why is this prophet coming to Eli and saying these things? These are things that God wants Eli to understand. You see, God brings him back and says, look at how I was gracious to you. Right? It's all building, it's all building up to a point. So on top of that, on top of the things that were done in Egypt, the miraculous things and the fact that Aaron was able to speak on behalf of God, you see, a role that prophets have, he made Aaron and his lineage priests. That is, even within the chosen people of Israel, just because you were an Israelite did not mean you could serve God in the capacity that the Levites did. So they themselves had a special privilege even within the chosen people of God. You see, so we're talking a special sect within a special sect. Right. You see, these men and these high priests literally could go before the presence of God once a year. You see that in Leviticus uh, 16 on the Day of Atonement, a privilege that no other uh, Israelite had, you see. So, all these things are building up. You can see that in Exodus 28. We can just turn there and read it real quick where he installs Aaron and his sons as priests. 28 and 1. Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. See, and then he lists off Aaron and his lineage there, his three sons. So we see that God not only blessed Aaron with being able to speak for him, but he indeed made him a priest, you see. And we, we'll see later on that he says that priesthood will last forever. That is continually through his lineage. So these two things are what is being pushed to us. God showed himself to Aaron when he did not have to, and God made Aaron and his sons priests before him a very gracious things. As I said before, both these things are indictments because we now know, what I now want us to see is I want us to go from there, the graciousness of God and what He has done to Aaron and his lineage to where we find them today or in our text in 1 Samuel. So it's these same people, I just want you to see the comparison here, that God has been so gracious to, allowing first of all to be His chosen people, second of all to go before Him and serve in His temple day and night, you see, their heritage being the Lord, it's the same people that have blasphemed against Him. So it's not as if it's some Canaanite who has not seen any revelation from God and who has not even spoken to God as, as Aaron and his lineage have that has blasphemed against God, still sinful, 
But in that sense, we would say that makes sense, right? But that's not what's going on here. What's going on here is the very people that have been shown the most and given the most grace are blasphemers. They're the ones taking what belongs to God and valuing themselves above God. You see? And that's what the prophet is getting across here. This man that comes to Eli here, that's what he's, that's what he's getting across. That th- These are the things that they are doing. Let's just look back in our text. He goes on. He says in 28, along the same lines of what we talked about, did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear the ephod before me? Remember, that was that plate that they wore on their chest that had the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, right? And they would go and they would be... Uh, they would intercede for the people there before the Lord. That was a great honor that was bestowed upon them. That's why he's stressing it. Right? They wore an ephod before me um, to go up to my altar. Uh, no, sorry. I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. So what he's saying there is they were, remember we, we spoke about this last time, they were actually able to eat portions of the offering. Right. That is, God had allotted an amount to the Levites, that is the lesser, right? Not the fattier portions. The fattier portions in the blood were, was for, for Yahweh, for God. But the lesser portions, the Levites were allowed to eat and thus have subsistence, you see, because they worked constantly within the tabernacle, right? right. They got these things, right? God gave them these blessings. Yet, look what he says in verse 29. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings. You see, I have given you all these things. I brought you out of slavery. I called you my priest, right? Not the priest of some Canaanite God that doesn't exist and is made out of wood. The priest of the one true God, you see. I've called you my priest. And even in that, you don't have to serve me as priest and go off and try to scurry for food somewhere. I sustained you with my own sacrifices that belong to me. You see? Right. What am I getting at? God didn't owe them any of the sacrifice. No. Just God doesn't that. owe them anything. Right. Yet He gave them a portion of the sacrifice, but instead, they scorned that, right? treated that as nothing, and took what belonged to God. You see? That's what the sons have done here. And many people do the same today, right? They value themselves more than God. Mm. <clears throat> Let's go on in 29. It says, Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling? And honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest part of every offering of my people, Israel. You see, you see the blasphemy in that, taking for oneself what truly belongs to God. If you want to see that, we looked at it last time, just look at Leviticus chapter 3. Leviticus chapter 3 there spells out all these things, especially in verse 16. Um, it's, it's a little hard to read, it's chunky because it talks about all the different things they do. Remember, we went through it last time, to the goats and to the bulls and things like that. But in verse 16 there it says, all fat is the Lord's. Recall, right. all fat is the Lord's. You can go there on your spare time if you want to. 
But look at verse 30 now. So because of all these things, because they have took the best parts, the parts that belong to God, we now see these things going on in 30 and down. Verse 30. Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Right? So now we have God seemingly taking back what He said before. And when you first read this, this may seem like a problem. Right? This may bother some, the very fact that God has promised that they would be priests forever. He uses that language of go in and out before me. That's language of going in and out of the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, in and out of the tabernacle. It's a, it's a, a, a phrase in Hebrew for the, that service that they were doing, right? Specific to the priests. Only they could do it, go in and out before the presence of God. And God had promised that to Aaron. We can see that in Exodus 27. Exodus 27 and 21, that same promise there. Let's look at it together. It's important to understand the, all the connecting themes. 27. Sorry, 28 and 1 there. 28 and 1 of Exodus. Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. The same one we had read before, right? To serve me as priests. This is what, this is what they were uh, designed to do. Like we said before, go in and out. And this action, this function here, was designed to go on forever. It was designed to go on forever. That's what God had promised that all these things would go on and on. Look in verse 21 there. Sorry, that's where my mix-up was. 27 and 21. Here, here we go. I got those mixed up. This is where God promises that they would go in and out forever. In the tent of meeting outside the veil, that is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening to morning, before the Lord, it shall be a statute forever to be observed throughout their generations by the people of Israel. Right? That's what I was getting across there. He had said, I promised that they would do this forever. They would go in and out. And now he's seemingly taking it back. So how can these things be? How can it be that God promised something forever? Well, in one sense, some commentators see it in this way. That word forever just means continually. Continually. You will serve me continue. That is without ceasing. Your lineage will serve me without ceasing. But I think there's a bigger picture here, and I'm, I'm fine with using the word forever just as the commentators are, and it's that this, it's God's sovereign will and grace to choose who serves Him. Right. And the reason that we, are, we can serve Him is that in and of itself, it's just His gracious act. And any time He would withheld that from us, it would be just as well, you see. And that's what's going on in our text here. We can be helped out by this by Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18. Especially in the Old Covenant, we can see these themes. We looked at it before in 
Judges, remember we talked about in Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and curses. If you do these things, I will bless your kneading bowl, I will bless your field. If you don't do these things, what? The opposite, right? The curses. So we can really see those themes there. But what's coming through in our text is God's sovereignty. What He does with man is His will. And I'll show you what I mean here. Jeremiah 18, look at verse 1. Jeremiah 18.1 The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there was working at his will. And the vessel he was making of clay was spooled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom, then I will pluck it up and break down and destroy it. And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time... I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will uh, build and plant it. And if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I have intended to do to it. You see. So what is God getting across to us here? Something that the Israelites didn't understand. Because what they were putting their hope in, what the Levites put their worth in, and we've seen this with the Pharisees as well, was indeed their lineage and not the grace of God to them. Amen. You see. And so they put value in saying, oh, we're of this house, we're of that house, not understanding that the significance was not of what lineage they come from, but of God's grace to that people. You see. That's the difference. And at any time, God can mold Israel, God can mold the individual into what He wishes. You see. That's what he's telling Jeremiah here. Jeremiah lived at a time and the same as the judges, right? Anarchy abounded, right? Everyone went after false gods and this is what God is saying. Just because I told you you were my chosen people and I promised you these things doesn't mean that the same grace that I bestowed upon you I can't take away. You see, because it's my grace to give and it's my grace to take away. Mm-hmm. So what we need to see. He had promised these things to Aaron's lineage it didn't mean indefinitely they would get them no matter what. We've seen that with Aaron's sons themselves, didn't we? Remember last time we spoke about the, the regulative principle of worship, right? That is, we can only do and worship what God commands, right? Over against the normative, right. we can do what's not forbidden, right? And, and the snares that fall there. What do we see? We've seen with Nadab and, uh, and Abihu there, that they offered that strange fire before God, and what happened? God killed them. Yeah. God killed them. They didn't serve forever. No. You see? And so it's God's grace to give them what they have, you see? And we, we can't mistake that. Just as John said, remember the Pharisees come to John, right? And he's preaching uh, a baptism of repentance. Right. And these men think, what do we need of this, right? We're sons of Abraham. And, and John, knowing this, remember what he says to them? 
Don't say we're sons of Abraham because why? God can make these stones into sons of Abraham. What is he getting across? The thing that makes you special is not you. It's God's grace upon you. Right. You right. see? And it's the same for us. The thing that makes us special is not anything inherent within us, but it's God's grace to us and what He has done for us. Right. You see? Right. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that. Now, the, the, I, I feel like I need to say this coming off of all that. Someone might say, well, God withheld this from them. What hope do we have? And we'll see later on. We have a great hope. What hope do we have in the new covenant of our place being removed? Right? We have salvation, something that lasts forever. How do we know that it will indeed last forever? I want you to see these two things. Unlike the old covenant where those blessings like in Deuteronomy were based upon their own works and what they could do by their hands and if they served God or not. And if they didn't, the, the, the blessing was taken away. In the new covenant, it's based upon works as well. Right? But it's not based upon our works. It's based upon the works of Christ. Amen. So if you would ask me, could our place ever be removed? The answer is no. no. Because the one in which it is based will never fail to keep it. Amen. You see? That's the hope we have. You see? It's that the works that it is based on is not our own any longer. It is the works of Christ Himself. And so our place may never be removed and we shall be with God forever because it's not something that you do. And understand this, Christian. For those who want to say it is something they do, they will never succeed. They will never pass. There will be no more than these Levites who couldn't do it, you see, and all the other men who couldn't do it before them. But understand those two distinctives. Well, within our text, this is being removed from the house of Eli, even though he is a Levite. He's no longer going to be able to serve. His lineage is no longer going to be able to serve, and they're going to be put to death, as we've seen within the text there. So let's go back to our text. Try to push through. Verse 31 there. 34. Behold the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. Then in distress you will look with envious eye on all the prosperity that shall be bestowed on Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. The only one of you whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall be spared to weep his eyes, to, uh, spared to weep his eyes out, to grieve his heart, and all his descendants of your house shall die by the sword. Of men, and this shall be, and this shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phineas, uh, shall be assigned to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. So we see it spelled out completely there. All these things that's going to happen to his sons. His sons are going to be put to death, just like the sons of Aaron, for their gross mistake in the house of God for bringing that strange fire in the same sense before God. They're going to be punished. For it. 
Now, I want us to see something here. As we read through this, and as I was reading through this this week, it's easy to look upon this and in our own sinfulness see the things that God says, especially the fact that God says, I'm going to wipe you all out. I'm going to leave one person. And the fact I'm going to leave him is going to be a testament to you so he can just weep his eyes out and hunger and thirst. Mm. Right? Seems very harsh to us, does it not? You can say it. It does to me as well. In my own sensibilities and in, in my sinful nature, I look at this and I say, how harsh, right? This is a lack of understanding the holiness of God. The fact that we view punishments like this as harsh and we don't see the harshness of the crime shows that we do not value the holiness of God as we should. You see, and we do not see what a grave crime they have committed. Right. You see, that's what it shows. Right. There's no greater thing that you can do, no greater sin that you can commit than to blaspheme against God in this way. Right. You see, and therefore we have great punishment come upon them. You see, the 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 problem here, and we have to see this any time. I want to bring something. This goes for me as well. Any time that we are offended by Scripture, it's not Scripture's fault. It is a lack of love for God in our own hearts. Mm-hmm. Understand that. It's a lack of love for God in your heart. It's not something wrong with the Scripture, right? And that goes for me as well. Many times we read through things and it bothers us, right? It's something we have to fix about ourselves. It's not something we fix the Word of God. You see, as some would say, it's important in our day because many people read on things that offend them and so they say what? Well, they degrade the Bible or they degrade God. And that's not the problem. The problem is always us. Right. You see, the problem is always our lack of understanding. I want us to see that as we work through these texts and we'll see more things. We've seen it in Judges, these hard things in the Old Testament. And that's why most of the time they aren't taught, right? That's why most of the time you don't see studies done on these books but we need to push through them because this is god's word just like romans or anything else is so we need to see that verse 35 there back in our text so he's told the sign of all these things in 34 will be the death of his sons on the same day we will see that later on in 35 So here we have somewhat of the positive in 35. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. You see. So what he's saying here is I'm going to do away with you and your lineage. But it's not as if I'm going to be liking a priest. It's not as if I'm going to be in need because I did away with you. No, no, no. I'm going to raise up a priest that is faithful. Unlike you and your sons, a a priest that will keep my commandments and serve me and go in and out before me, you see. Now, many people go back and forth to who this is. Some point to Samuel that we will see later on in the text as he gets older, right? But there's problems in the text there as far as lineage goes, right? Because his seems to, to taper off. But the clear, clear is Zodok in First Kings. We won't go there for the sake of time, but you can read it on your own. First Kings chapter 2, like you look in 27 and then through 35 there, where 
uh, Solomon removes that last lineage of Eli from the priesthood and places Zodak in that spot. And we kind of see the switch over in that. Now, that is probably a fulfillment of what we're seeing here. Most definitely. Something that God is doing. But I can tell you for a fact, that's not the greatest. That's not the greatest fulfillment of what we've seen in our text. And just like other things that we've seen in our text, where they have a short-term fulfillment, and maybe God will help them within that time, the greater of all these things is indeed Christ Himself. The greater of all these things is Christ Himself. And that's how Christ, we view the Scriptures that way, because Christ viewed the Scriptures that way. Right? He told the, the apostles there that were on the road, right, what? In the, in the law and prophets, all the things concerning himself. Right. right? They were all about him. That's what he was getting across there. So all these things, the greater is Christ himself. Let's just look at Hebrews 8. Spells this out beautifully for us. Hebrews 8 and verse 1. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is anointing to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for the priests also to have something to offer. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is erected on better promises. You see? So what, what, am I, what am I getting across here? Is that these things that we're seeing now in our text in 1 Samuel, the tabernacle in which they are worshiping, is but a type and a shadow of the heavenly realities you see, that, that, that God showed Moses. You see, that's what it says there. God showed Moses these patterns it's just a symbol of the heavenly reality. In that, none of those things was ever designed to save man. It's not as if God told man to erect, erect the tabernacle, maybe, and in maybe some sense that would save them. It never was. But all those things were pointing to a priest that would not fail, unlike these earthly priests that we see in our text, you see. All these things pointed to Christ who was the greater high priest who that instead of uh, uh, losing it and seeking his own gain served God sinlessly and perfected his people in his service. You see. And all these things are built upon better promises. You see. Better promises than the old covenant. That is a law that was once written on stone is now written on the hearts of God's people. You see. 
that is a place in which one man could only go once a year is now torn in two and fellowship with God is now established in Christ. You see, that is sin that at one time was just in a sense held there by the blood of bulls and goats until something else come up is now expunged and done away with forever. You see, and this is the ministry of Christ. This is who He is. We've seen countless times in the book of Judges our need for a greater judge, our need for a greater king. But now I tell you, and what's coming across in our text is this, we're in need of a greater priest. We're in need of a greater priest. We're in need of someone not just to lead us in the commands of God, but to go before God and plead our case because of our sinfulness. Right. You see. And this is what Christ does. This is what Christ does. He's not only a king, but He's also our priest. <clears throat> now, close out here. Let's look at verse 36 back in our text. So He speaks of the one that will go in and out before His anointed in 36. And everyone who is left in your house shall come and implore him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread and shall say, please put me in one of the priest's places that I might eat a morsel of bread. So that lineage of Eli will come to the new priest's lineage starving and say, please just let me serve in some capacity so that I may eat from starving. I have nothing of my own. And I want us to see this. Bellies that were once full on the things that belonged to God are now empty and barren. Mm. You see. That's the point of it. More than that, what had Hannah said, and this is very beautiful, Remember when we spoke of the sovereignty of God there? Look in, look in Hannah's prayer in chapter 2. Chapter 2, the first part there. Remember what Hannah had said? Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. Yeah. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. You see, and we spoke of God's sovereignty before that, and now we, we truly see it that these priests who were once full later on, their lineage, what? They'll be hiring themselves out for bread. Why? Because God's sovereign over all of it. Right. And it's not of man, it's of God. Well, we'll end there for the sake of time. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this portion of Scripture. Pray that it would impact our lives. I pray that in our daily walk that those things which belong to You, which is everything in this world, including ourselves, would be wholly devoted to You, that nothing would be withheld and everything would be given with thanksgiving. Thank You for Your grace upon us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.